Hello, beautiful people. Quick question. Have you ever thought to yourself, I've been passed up for a promotion, but I don't understand why? Or I want to change in my career, but where do I even begin? We know we're not the only ones that have had these questions. And that's why we started this podcast. It's called Career Gems for the Journey. And we hope that as you listen, you'll discover some gems for your career journey. I'm Leah Murphy, and I wear many hats. I'll tell you about three of them. I'm an engineer by trade, a career coach, and an entrepreneur, all while working to stay happily married and raise three children. And my name is Alma Gordon. I'm a brand marketer, entrepreneur, and serial passion pursuer with a business approach to my endeavors, but always with a creative spin. And we're two really great friends that have supported one another throughout our professional careers. I mean, we've been through it all, and we're here to share some authentic stories, key successes, and setbacks. You're not going to want to miss this. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of Career Gems for the Journey. We are excited to be with you again today. And this is Leah. And this is Ama. And I know y'all might get tired of us saying that we're excited to be with you, but we really are. So just bear with us because every episode you listen to, there's going to be some level of excitement when you first tune in. But we're really serious about it. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's real facts, right? Because we care. And this is a platform that we get really excited to bring um, high quality experience, authentic stories, you know, game changing gems to folks. So yeah, we got to get excited about that behind the scenes in order for y'all to feel that good energy when you listen. So today will be no different. Today, we have a guest that I am going to introduce. We're going to have a dope conversation, very Philly-esque. So excited Delay, for that. <laughs> Come hey, through. Hey. <laughs> Come through. <laughs> so um, I'm, before we introduce our guest, I'm just going to check in with you, Ama, see how you're feeling, what's going on, how are the feels for you today? Well, thanks for the check-in, Leah. Because firstly, I want to express my thanks for our audience for listening. It's the first thing that came to mind when you introduced the episode. So thank you for everyone that hangs in there with us. I know sometimes, you know, things can come out of nowhere with the gems that we drop, uh, but hopefully you found them valuable. And this particular episode, I think is really cool and near and dear to Leah's heart because our guest is from Philadelphia, doing some great work in Philadelphia. Leah's from Philadelphia, the engineer from Philadelphia. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm joining y'all from, from New York right now uh, as per usual, but just thank you for joining us today and sticking with us through this episode. We got some great stuff we're gonna share with you. Okay, good, I'm glad you're good. So without further ado, we're gonna introduce our guest. I'm gonna let him say hello, and then I'm gonna read all the dopeness that's in his bio before we get into the episode. So I wanted to introduce our guest, Jabari Jones. Say hello to the people, if you don't mind, Jabari. Hey everybody, I read your bio. hello, hello. I'm glad, thank, thank you for uh, allowing me to come on today. Yeah. So full disclosure, um, Jabari and I got connected because we were both on the Philadelphia Business Journal 40 under 40 list for 2021. Hey, snaps all around. If you are jogging yeah. right now, clap your hands. If you are driving while listening to this podcast, just blink twice. This is exciting. 40 under 40 in one of the major cities in the United States. 
We got two of those, two of those on the podcast today. Two in one episode. <laughs> we yeah, got a bogo. So. <laughs> Buy one, get one. <laughs> we got a bogo. So I'm going to read Jabari's bio and then we're going to get into the um, conversation because we know it's going to be a good one. So Jabari K. Jones is the founding chief executive of the West Philadelphia Corridor Collaborative. And oh, economic the glasses are coming off. This is serious. I, I had to say, listen, listen. I said, let me make sure I get <laughs> all of this right. Off. You know how when your mom gets serious, <laughs> let me take my glasses off so I can get a real read at this recipe because this is serious. I'm not going to mess this up. This is real business. So WPCC is an economic development benefit corporation um, that manages the largest coalition of small businesses in West Philadelphia, representing and advocating on behalf of 12 diverse commercial corridor shopping districts and over 2,000 independent companies. WPCC's mission is to create, connect, and advocate for resources to help residents start new businesses while helping existing companies with representation, access to opportunities, and the support they need to grow, thrive, and hire. I mean, like, okay, grow, thrive, and hire. That's what we want to do for people. We're changing the game here. A strong believer in the power of corporate social responsibility and the ability of private sector innovation to change lives, Jones has been successful in forming partnerships with major corporations like AT&T, Pico, Exelon, and Automatic that have realized over $500,000 in tangible philanthropic investments in West Philadelphia. Jones has written and advocated for pro-small business policy at all levels of the government, successfully raising over $1 million in public investments and passing new legislation. Locally, Jones's work on championing ways for local investment to be inclusive has earned him the recognition as a thought leader and appointments on board positions in oversight and advisory on over $23 billion in public-private investment. His efforts to market West Philadelphia as a national and global tourism hub have built relationships with international trade ambassadors, tourism agencies, and open new markets local for local and small businesses. Recently, Jones joined the board of directors for Philadelphia 250, the coordinator of the city's activities celebrating the 250th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. A little history lesson in there too, just mm -hmm. drop that. Um, Jones has a BS in business and legal studies, along with a certificate in social responsibility in business and Certificate in Brand Reputation Management from Drexel University in Philadelphia. Welcome to the episode, Jabari Jones. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for joining yeah. us, Jabari. I'm excited. I mean, I'm just like, dang, Amma, you gotta do more. <laughs> <laughs> man, you were reading that. I was like, man, I do all that. <laughs> <laughs> that dude sounds dope. That dude sounds for real, for real, for How real. So we all do a little more today. <laughs> a little more today. No, we're here for all kinds of inspiration, right? That's the game that we're playing here to really let people, you know, people with dope stories that are compelling, join us on the episode so folks can get inspired and get some gems so they can apply it to their own lives. So I'm going to jump right in Jabari tell us a little bit more about your background how did you come to find the West Philadelphia Corridor Collaborative sure so um, pretty much the concept um, that that led me to to forming this was a realization that there was uh, something absent in our community um, and so pretty much the the premise came from actually while I was still a student at Drexel um, and learning a little bit more about how Drexel supports what we call the entrepreneurship ecosystem, which is pretty much in any kind of space, what are the connected services and systems that are in place that help 
the people that are interacting with those systems succeed, whether it be academic, business, or um, health-wise, et cetera, um, what that looks like. So Drexel is a very strong entrepreneurship ecosystem. They do a great job of supporting uh, students that want to start their own companies while they're in school. They do a good job of supporting alumni. They do a good job of supporting researchers. And then at the same time, when you look at my community in West Philly off of that off of campus and outside of University City, you see that there's been there's an absent that same sort of intentionality when it comes to putting together business support organizations. A lot of community organizations and business service providers were very fragmented. They didn't really speak with each other. They didn't coordinate. They didn't advocate jointly. They didn't bring together the very diverse voices that were in communities. And there was no sort of one entity that sort of looked out for everybody's best interest. Everybody sort of was narrowly in their corner, uh, for lack of a better word. Um, and that's kind of what inspired me to say, well, since we if we don't have it here in our neighborhood, it can be built. And so literally modeling off of some of the same ways that other communities um, build these things, my goal was to build an entrepreneurship ecosystem for all of West Philly. Jabari, you know, you're speaking my language right now, because when you talk about ecosystems, right, as an entrepreneur, uh, so our audience, hopefully, if this is not their first episode, knows that I, I recently launched a, uh, a company a year ago. So I'm in the entrepreneurial world. And there is a book that I recently read. Not sure if you heard of it. It's by Bradfeld and Ian Hathaway called The Startup Community, Evolving an Entrepreneurial uh, Ecosystem. And it focuses on everything that you just stated, but not necessarily honing in on the needs of people of color but as clearly establishes the importance of an ecosystem and the role it plays in accelerating entrepreneurial ideas and businesses, mm-hmm. right? And when we think about how all of this starts, any idea, right? Anything that someone wants to start, whether it's a business, a not-for-profit organization, or even if it's just a club, right? Yep. Sometimes it, well, actually not sometimes, it always starts with just an idea. So talk to us a little bit about how do you go from that idea to this kick-ass system that you can tap into communities, right? Which is required, right? I mean, ecosystem, I mean, it's kind of like my new buzzword nowadays, <laughs> ecosystem, because it's all the things that you have to tap in. It's the network, it's the connections, it's the loops that come back around in order for you to facilitate growth in any way that starts with an idea. So tell us a little bit about how you can start with that idea and then build from there and the role that that ecosystem plays in that. So I think that the same uh, same kind of process that we did is the same process that any entrepreneur wants to follow, right? And so in one of the things that we do was one of the favorite parts of my job is we do a business planning class, a 10-week program that we typically try to run quarterly. And I have the pleasure of being the first speaker. And I, my, my class is very intense. I always warn my students that, you know, it's going to be an intense class. And I always start with the same thing. And that's what the definition of what business is. And so my definition has always been that business is the science of creating wealth through solving society's problems. And any idea that a business person or entrepreneur has. Sorry, Shibari, let's pause for a second. I was just going to say, whoa, you just dropped a major key. That was a gem right there. If it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be Leah. Roll it back. What is, give the people again, what is the definition of business? So the definition of business is business is the science of creating wealth through solving society's problems. 
Did you make, did you? Did that's you my definition. That's, that's I my definition. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it when people create their own definitions based on their experiences and their uh, education in a really simple, digestible way. I love it. Yep. yep. And so um, that same thing and, and breaking down that definition and how it relates to ideas is that any venture or a project, nonprofit, even club has some sort of purpose. And typically for, for you to have a viable business or nonprofit model, that purpose has to be solving a problem for someone. Because that's at the end of the day, why we exchange money is because somebody is solving a problem for us. Whether that problem is I'm hungry and I want something to eat, whether that is it's Saturday night and I want some sort of entertainment, so I'm going to go to a concert venue or I want to listen to a certain kind of music. Those, all of those things have been like, and all business ventures coming down to like, how does an idea solve a problem? And so pretty much, I think when, when you have that idea, it's about how do you figure out what problem does your idea solve? And then the second question is, who has the problem that you're looking to solve? And so for, with my journey, looking at the small business community in West Philly that has not been connected, has been underinvested, does not have systems to advocate or you know, even in some cases converse with or create resources for. The idea was, all right, well, we have the idea for this ecosystem. We know that small businesses are the ones that are having these problems. Let's talk to them. And so one of the things that I did early on in my career is I did a Federal Reserve funded study that centered around what, how the federal government could do a better job of supporting businesses, especially black and brown businesses in lower income neighborhoods. Each one of those conversations helps you validate the idea that you have. He is, is figuring out what problem that idea solves, then who has the problem, and then speaking with them in some sort of piloted way. And the more data you can get, the better. Um, and then you look at building it after there based off some of that feedback into a concept and then from a concept into a business. So let's break that down a little bit. I'm a big proponent of how do we kind of take this and break it into sections so that it's executable for people? Because one of the side hustles I do is actually creating business plans for people. But I'm as, hard, I'm as hardcore, not only on entrepreneurship as a foundation, but also on helping other entrepreneurs Mm-hmm. take their business from idea conception into something that is actualized. So, you know, you guys are out here just riffing. I'm going to take a back seat for a minute and <laughs> have some questions that I will get to shortly. But I love, you know, I love hearing this. I love Yeah, that because I mean, when you think about resources. any idea or any concept that there's so many people with great ideas, but the one difference between entrepreneurs So people who are getting the thing started. So we can talk about success, I think, a little later. But the one thing between people who have kicked off and started a business and those with ideas is just the power, education, and understanding and network to be able to execute those ideas. So I like to kind of simplify things to really easy peasy things. It's how do I execute? And in order to know how to execute, some people need a little bit of a step-by-step like little guide, right? So if you were to break it down into, if you were to break it down to just maybe the top one to three things that someone should do, like if you were a student in one of your classes to go from idea to kicking off the business, meaning it is operating, even if it's at a minimal level and you might have one, five customers, Right. What are the sort of the first three things someone should do? Sure. I would say the first thing is, is obviously kind of defining and putting what their ideas on paper. 
Um, I think many times, like when folks have ideas and it's just kind of in your head, you'll see it differently when it's written down. Mm -hmm. Um, and you might make some edits, you might make some changes. The other reason why I tell people to do that is because it helps you communicate it better because sometimes it might be up here, but if it's not on paper, you don't really look at it and you may not be able to communicate it the best way. Any business and every business has to be able to communicate what their business is to other people, writing it down, writing down the idea. So let's pause for a second. So ladies and gentlemen, having an idea and talking about it with your friends is wonderful. Having an idea and talking about it maybe with colleagues or family is also nice. Until it gets articulated and communicated on paper, mm-hmm. laptop, phone, whatever it is, where it, it, it goes from your brain to something tangible, until mm-hmm. you do that, you haven't really moved past the initial idea stage. Mm-hmm. And I think Jabari is bringing up some really great points on once you put it on paper, it forces you to kind of work through some of the things that you weren't challenging yourself to do when it was just an idea. So that's gem number one, write it down. Even if it's on a chalkboard, you know what I mean? <laughs> a yep. notebook, whatever it is, start writing it down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that, so that would be the first step. I would say the second step is, all right, now that you have this idea, it, it goes back to what's the problem that your idea is solving and really spend some time doing that. And there's no right number of problems that your idea solves. Your, your idea could solve problems for different people and it could be different problems, but really brainstorming, you know, what are the problems that my idea is really going to solve? And then I would say the third thing after you've done that is to test that out by going to people in your network or people that you know that theoretically have the problem that you just identified and talk to them. Is it a real problem for you? Is this something that, you know, how do you currently solve that problem? What do you pay to solve that problem? right? Would you pay anything to solve that problem, right? And, and in, a, in many ways, I call that like a, like a soft, it's like your soft launch or soft pilot of your concept, just to talk to people that you know, friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, whatever, that, that fit the demographic of the people that have the problem you're trying to solve and sitting down with them and saying, hey, this is, you know, is this a problem for you? This is my idea. Would you use it? Would you pay for it? Because um, especially friends and family, you know, Find folks that are going to be honest with you. Um, They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you the truth. No, baby. It's not quite. I for that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, and then, and then you keep going back and forth on, on those issues, on that, on that idea and that testing until you find the subset of people that have that problem that are going to pay for it. You know, and then, and then that's how you start. You go from there to really build out, you know, what your business is and how it becomes viable and pricing and all that other stuff. Yeah. So Jabari, what you what you captured there in that second and kind of bleeding into the third gem is not only do you have an idea, but being really clear on what problem it solves, because mm-hmm. unless it solves a problem to your point earlier, it's not actually a business. It's just mm-hmm. Great conversation, right? Over drinks, cocktails, dinner. It's just like, man, that's terrible. I wish that would stop, right? So, you know, how in your experience and working directly with entrepreneurs, and I'll I'll touch on number three here, which is who is this population that you are serving and are they willing to pay? Like I was head nodding voraciously when you said, are they willing to pay? Because then that lets you know as to whether or not you need to continue to invest Mm -hmm. or if you need to go to another table and bring some other people into the discussion, serve a different population. And sometimes when we start out, and I can talk about this as my own entrepreneurial journey, I had one very distinct vision of a population that I thought 
you know, had the, pro- I knew had the problem and I knew had the resources to be able to solve the problem. However, there was another group that was more in need that I was ignoring right early on. And, you know, essentially those people came and knocked and said, well, you know, are you talking to us? You got anything for us? Like, right. and that, that good what, old pivot action. Liam. Right. It, it forced <laughs> me to pivot. That's exactly what I was going to say. It forced me to pivot and either decide, can I do both? Right. Can I serve both populations and bring them all in? Or do I need to, you know, build out more robust systems, hire more staff to bring on, to be able to do both. So in building what you're building and what you've already established here in the, West Philadelphia Collaborative Mm -hmm. is really, are you seeing new people, new entrants that maybe when you initiated the idea a few years back that said, no, you know, it's not a great fit for me now seeing like, oh, y'all really got something going on here that we, I wasn't sure about. Can I get in now? Right. Can I get in on round two of the fundraising or whatever it is? So tell us more about like that evolution and what you're seeing. Uh, Definitely. I think we have pivoted multiple times. The other thing is, it's that I want to say is that it's okay to pivot. Like a lot of people feel like, like a pivot means your idea failed or you're not good enough or whatever it is. And it's like, everybody pivots. Like every, every major successful company has pivoted at some time period or another. Like, so that's just the reality of of business. I want to make sure that I did that, but we pivot a lot. Like we have tried to figure out like, what's the best way to build this ecosystem. And we ended up settling on something that is very untraditional. And it was part of in the bio when you mentioned that we are an economic development benefit corporation. And so what makes that a little bit different? Um, most people would like probably listen to this that might have some business experience would like automatically assume we're a nonprofit and we're not. I personally- Preach, that is my business. (laughs) (laughs) Jabari, I'm sorry. I I really want the people to, I want want you to be able to get out a full sentence, but I also want the people to hear these gems and feedback that we got from the podcast is, can you highlight the gems a a, a little broader for us so that they can note take? But that is, to me, that is, you know, before you get to gem number three, right? Or so the the third thing that people should do when they're trying to go from the ideation stage to actual executing um, their business Mm -hmm. is identifying the, the pressure that comes along with providing a service or a product with it being for profit versus not for profit. Because I'm in the same boat. I, I provide, you know, fertility concierge services. This is like literally about life, about creating life for people that mm-hmm. have challenges doing it naturally. And I think the natural assumption is that I'm a not-for-profit. I am not. I, and I'll be honest, I, I thought originally before I fully read your bio that your initiative was also not for profit. I'm glad to hear it is also not. <laughs> it is not. It is not. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits. I won't go into all the benefits of, of why we decided to incorporate, but I will say that we have gone through the whole the whole thing. Like we've tried being a, non, a not-for-profit. We've gone through trying to be, we were originally a fiscally sponsored project, which is another really complicated legal incorporation. Then we were a nonprofit organization. And then, then we became this benefit corporation. And it has been very beneficial. I'll say that it has been a, it's been a great form of corporation for us. This allows us to do all the sorts of work that we, we do. And I'll give folks in Pennsylvania, not every state has this, but in Pennsylvania, there's a, a special legal incorporation that you can incorporate your business called a benefit corporation. And pretty much means that you're organizing your business as a for-profit company, but your main goal is a public benefit. And so one of the requirements is every day, every year we send a report to the state on what public benefit is that we provide and they 
you know, recertify us or whatever. But one of the benefits of that incorporation is it, it still enables you to seek philanthropic sources of capital, right? So you can still go after some public grants. You can still come after like some corporate sponsorships, corporate support and things of that nature without being a 501c3 nonprofit, but also you're able to do a lot of things that nonprofits aren't able to do. You don't have the same level of oversight. You don't have the same, the stigma that you're not really stable and dependent on grants and individual donors. And so that just became the best structure for us um, when we pivoted. And we pivoted to on the revenue model. Like originally we were thinking of traditional membership-based models that people would pay monthly or they would pay an annual due or whatever. And then I today we've completely gotten away from membership dues actually because the community that we're working with is you know our district is primarily low-income african-american and you know other uh, minority populations and there are a lot of fledgling companies that really can't afford you know a high membership due on top of all the stuff that they're doing and so think we're on a model as a business organization that doesn't derive its revenue off of levying fees on their members was a was a huge priority of mine. And, and I'm glad that we've been able to generate now a revenue model that does not depend on any of that. And, and originally, you know, it's been a, again, it's been a huge journey. This is for us. So in 10 days um, on the 13th, um, when we're recording now of August, it will be my sixth year. So we have pivoted a lot over this. Wait, wait, wait. We have to pause. Okay. We Jamar, have to pause on this episode. Teacher. I'm a teacher too. Because he's like, right, like, you guys, are, you know, I'm going to dictate, right? <laughs> and you can, no, you we're not doing that here. You. No. <laughs> so we're going to stop. You're going to pause for a minute first. Cause I believe in celebrating small wins and giving people the opportunity to be celebrated in the moment. So we're going to give you some, give you some flowers here, Jabari. Thank You're you, out here. You changing the game, giving people gems on benefit corporations, breaking it down to a science, and six years in the game, several pivots, several evolutions, but the commitment to the idea, the commitment to the problem that you're solving and the commitment to the population that you're going to serve is what keeps you coming back to it. And I just, I find it amazing. I find it completely and totally amazing that you mm-hmm. saw this white space opportunity, have built a team around it, a very mm-hmm. capable team, if I may say so myself, mm-hmm. to bring this to life and really serve this population in this way. And y'all going to make some real bread on it. So that's, (laughs) listen, we're going to make some money. And I think when when you started to drop like philanthropic corporate donations, you know, the public private sector combination, like there's a real game changing evaluation that some Mm -hmm. entrepreneur can do now to think, okay, maybe I'm not so bound by a previous thought of what my infrastructure has to be in order to be successful. So you're really giving people an opportunity to look at a model that they may not have considered before. Now, if you're not in Pennsylvania, do the research in your own individual state, even though, you know, we're repping Philly here today. And, (laughs) um, you know, even though I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) Go birds, right? Even though I didn't, you know, I didn't go to Drexel. Ama and I went to Temple, you know, but but the big big five love in Philadelphia is real in this episode. So I just wanted to really just celebrate you and encourage you, congratulate you on six years in business and for sustaining right the ebbs and flows of the tide that I'm sure come with political engagement and different administrations and things like that for the work that you're doing. So big up for doing something, you know, so major and serving a population that people weren't talking to. And hopefully the audience was able to jot down some of the different types of um, businesses 
right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, LLCs, not-for-profits, different types of corporations and how to incorporate and recognizing that depending on what state you are deciding to incorporate mm -hmm. your business, there could be other options for you mm -hmm. that fit your business model. And then also being open to the flexibility, right, of listening to your target audience or whoever you're serving, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and they'll give you a lot of information when, you know, like you mentioned, if you originally thought, okay, I could, the, the revenue stream would, might come from memberships and then realizing that the revenue stream comes differently. I think many people who start businesses have this idea that they've written on paper, right? To get to your number two, right? Uh, and that have identified and fully fleshed out the problem that they're solving, but then had to be agile and say, hey, mm -hmm. I'm still solving a problem, but the way I thought I was gonna make money might be different, which mm -hmm. also might impact my business structure. Mm -hmm. So what would be that third and sort of last thing that you think is sort of like a must have to go from that ideation to I'm executing, I'm starting this business? I think the other thing is, um, it kind of goes to like, will they pay kind of thing? And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's revenue model, it's managing revenue and expenses. Mic drop, it's, will they pay? Like, <laughs> will they pay? Well, that, that's really it, that, that comes down. Because it could be a great idea, so but then when it's time to give me. As business folks know, man, those bills are due every 28 days. So, I mean, look, you, you got, you're running expenses, you know, with the, and even, even in the ideation stage and putting stuff together, you're spending a lot of time, resources, putting together this concept, like make sure that the, the concept generates revenue and makes money. Like that's, and you know that's, how you can do that, right? Which is what I also not preach, but share with people is give your time, to, you know, for proof of concept. It's actually part of, <laughs> of, of creating a business is proof of concept. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jabari, but even when you're, when you're pitching for investment, right, whether it's grants or, you mm -hmm. know, VCs, venture capitalists, they want to see that there was a proof of concept. Oh, yeah. They want to know that there is viability in this idea. And they also want to know what your exit strategy might be. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. And it's in that to me, that was like, like mind blown when I started pitching to VCs, because I'm like, wait, what do you mean exit strategy? I'm just getting started. I don't want to end. But it's like, no, I mean, sometimes the way you make money is developing this exit strategy, whether it's selling off or, you know, going public, whatever it is, there needs to be some possible at the end of the road. How might I exit this and make a lot of, you know, and, and benefit from it financially? Yep. Because yep. when VCs are looking to fund and invest, that's what they care about. That, that was perfectly said. Um, I think that like people need to you know really think about that, like what their long-term strategy or plan is with the company they have, even, even for companies that aren't necessarily looking to sell off um, initially or what have you though, like, like make a timeline for yourself. To, at some point, whatever business you're running, you're, you're ideally looking to not be running it. You know, the goal is like that you made to, to a level of, like financial success that, you know, you're not 72 running the same business you started when you were 32, you know? So like, it's like, so figuring out what does that look like? And people really should think about that in like earlier stages, which I know is hard to do because a lot of folks are like, I'm still trying to figure out my idea. Like, how am I going to figure out, how do I know what, how, what I'm going to do 20 years from now with it? Yeah. Um, which I get it. But it's also like, you want to organize yourself to figure out, you know, what that looks like. And, and the other ways that, that folks do is sometimes people get their businesses to a level of scale where it doesn't require you to operate it. You know, you can be the owner and have a CEO that you pay 
and the CEO runs that for you and you enjoy whatever lifestyle that, that you wanna take with the revenue, you come in and make large decisions, you sign the checks and approve the contracts and you know you go back to whatever island you wanna go to that day. Right. That's, that's Yo, fine. you boys out here talking hey, look, gold. <laughs> like, he's like, out here talking I know, gold. I know, I Wait, love it. Let's, let's unpack that a bit, Jabari. Big um, energy. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think, you know, as we kind of round out those three gems that you dropped i think this is a great place to because we just we talked about a lot of information today right um but what you just said is also a bit of a pain point or just hard for people to wrap their minds around when they become entrepreneurs you know hopefully they're passionate about whatever they've started Uh, which you really have to be if you've gotten past go, right? (laughs) And it's weird because a lot of us are like, I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it. I feel like this is my purpose. And there's actually a very little connection between them being involved because it's their baby with, I just come in and sign checks and I'm, you know, I'll be on my yacht later. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> so, yep. so it's like, what about those that really love what they do? Is it okay that they still are hands-on until they're 72? Or is that something that you would discourage? Or like, I want to hear your thoughts on that. I, would, I wouldn't discourage it, but I also think that, I mean, there are some folks that are extremely passionate, but I think that they should at least entertain the conversation, right? And know that the that this business doesn't always have to be, you know, at least entertain that. Like maybe it's not 70, maybe it's 85. <laughs> like at some point you're going to be like, at look, some I point did a lot of good in the world, but you know, <laughs> yeah, like I want to like, and so you want to make sure that you're, and I, I know that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're passionate about something, you started it, it's yours. You know, sometimes you have creative control issues. Like one of the issues that we have uh, with a lot of businesses is, um, especially some of our older business owners is succession strategies. And like you have business owners that um, are up in age and they may have their millennial kids now that are coming up and they have different ideas, you know, than, than those. And, and that's always, that has been a, a tight, especially like with black owned companies. I see a lot of tension between, you know, dad who's been doing this 30 years and it's a third generation business. And, you know, the son's 18, 20, he's coming up and said, dad, I want to do the social media technology thing and, uh, you know, digital billboards and Facebook ads. And he's like, I remember flyers, you know, right. like, so, right. so right. like, so even if it's just, you want to put together a business mail. to pass to your kids or to your family or what have you though, like we should still like, like look at your business as a wealth, gen- it's, a, it's a tool of wealth, right? And this is a tool of wealth because it can be passed down. Like wealth is like something that you build that's stable, that generates some income, that has a value to it, that doesn't disappear when you disappear, right? So every business should be put together. If it's not, you know, a exit play where you're looking to sell it off and then you get the money and you take the money and you invest somewhere else or what have you with it should be a wealth play where you're looking at like long-term, how does this business that I'm building generate something for my family, you know, after my time is is done here? Because if not, you put all that work in 40, you, you may have created some benefit. You may have hired some folks. You may have done some good stuff in the world or whatever, but it, it, uh, it will end with you if you don't start think at least thinking about you know what happens to this business later so jabari you said so many things there for first i just want people to sit for a minute like generating wealth 
the goal of starting a business, the goal of everything that we're doing holistically um, should be to generate wealth for ourselves and wealth that we can pass on and transition to other people when we choose. But you also said something going back to like your original definition of what business is, which was the science of creating wealth by solving society's problems, right? Like, isn't that, isn't that the perfect bookend mm-hmm. to then say, I did what I set out to do, right? I solved the problem for society. They paid for that solution. And now here I am able to enjoy the wealth that I've created as a result of um, doing that work and building it. So I just, I really love that and wanted our listeners to have an opportunity to really think about wealth building Mm -hmm. and the freedom that can come along with it in the future that you deserve, right? We all deserve the opportunity to have that freedom. So I'm I'm, I'm here with you, I love it. Yeah, I mean, otherwise it's a hobby, right? Otherwise, it's a hobby uh, when, you know, you're doing something that maybe, you know, maybe solving a problem where you're passionate about, but it's not generating any wealth or income. That's Mm -hmm. a hobby. And, uh, you know, I've talked about this with friends because uh, I was also a a business major Mm -hmm. in undergrad and uh, in, in business school when I got my MBA. And something I realized is that if no one is asking for something, if they're not asking for a solution to something, if they're not saying, hey, I really want this, right, as someone who could be the potential target, it's also a little bit more of an uphill battle trying to get buy-in from your potential audience. So another, and you know, I'm just thinking about another gem to drop because I've been taking notes for your gems and we're gonna recap that at the end of the episode. But another gem I would like to leave with our audience is that sometimes the problems in society, they come to you. They don't necessarily require you to establish them from scratch and then test it out and see if people really have this problem, right? Go out and experience, live, do the things you love to do, because what you'll find is people will be, be there's one thing people love to do is complain, right? Say, this ain't working <laughs> right. for me. We need to make this change, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. right? So, and I always feel that if no one has asked for a solution, if no one has asked for the problem that your business will solve, you might mm-hmm. want to double check, right? And rethink, yeah. you know, this, this essentially problem, right? Before you uh, kind of vet it through maybe friends and family and things like that. Um, because I mean, even if it is a problem that you think exists, if no one else has kind of brought it to the, to the, to the top of the list, it may be an uphill battle trying to get buy-in, uh, which also creates an issue for scaling. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you're creating a business, you want the masses, you want a large majority, even if it's a niche target, you want a majority of this particular target with this need to feel that your solution is something that they need. Otherwise, it's going a different direction and you're really trying to convince other people that it solves their problems. Yep, Yep. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think the other thing I would add too is sometimes the problem could be a problem that you yourself faces. And sometimes I find that sometimes some of the the most innovative, unique solutions come from people that are actually solving a problem that they themselves had. Because they're, they, you also think about like, if I have this problem, there are other people that have this problem too that are my demographic that I can talk to and convince that this is this is a problem that, that we can solve. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. When there's a collective that share the same mm-hmm. challenges and problem, you're mm-hmm. onto something 
right, with being able to provide those solutions. So Jabari, we hit some really great gems uh, today. Uh, sorry, we had to interrupt you a few times no so, worries, that, it was good. so that the audience <laughs> so that the audience <laughs> gets them. We just want to make sure that we highlight them. But uh, I just wanted to wrap up the, the key takeaways to go from well, one. Let's start by saying, if something doesn't exist already, you have the power to create it. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe it, go on LinkedIn. Look up Jabari Jones, and you can see that he has done it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Read his bio. Not only has he done it. <laughs> not only has he done it though. Um, like he came on here dropping bars so fluidly about doing <laughs> it, right? So honestly, and that's what the podcast is really about: is honest, authentic stories of identifying careers that have evolved, and like yep. talking about the pivot, talking about you know needing to change, and and that not being a failure, like. Man, you just came on here and really gave the people something to really walk away with, like really, really something to chew on, um, gems that they can apply to their own life. So, you know, we really appreciate that. Yeah. And I think we can close out with what you started out as the definition of business, which is business is the science of creating wealth by solving society's problems, solving society's problems. And once you have identified that this is what you want to do in order to get from the ideation stage to you are doing it, you're executing, you are walking, you are running, you are crawling, whatever it is that is moving in the direction of making this a full out business. The first thing you have to do is write it down, flesh it out, put it on paper, put it on a whiteboard, put it on a notebook, whatever it is, your computer, your laptop, and then close the laptop for a day or two, come back and revisit it revisit it, right? Read it through because you might have some tweaks, right? And you might get some new ideas because that is the power of writing it down. It forces you to crystallize things. So that's gem number one. Gem number two is make sure you are fully fleshing out the problem that exists and who would actually find this useful. And this needs to be a collective of people, right? Not just one person, preferably not just you, right? Right? Make sure it's a problem that actually (laughs) Lee is laughing at me right now. No, I'm laughing because that's where the ecosystem comes in, right? That's what we talked about. I started at the top of the episode, that ecosystem, that network, those relationships, test it out with some people that you trust and Mm -hmm. let them tell you the truth. Be open to hearing the truth, right? About Mm -hmm. this idea, about this baby, you know, that is yours. That's kind of, you know, fledgling, just getting started. Yeah. And that's a good point because a business's ecosystem starts in the ideation page stage. It starts with those networks and those connections that you build from early on, which you'll have to tap into as you continue to grow that business, right? And then they need to be willing to pay for it, right? So it's great that you're solving Will a they problem, pay? right? right? <laughs> Will they pay? Gem number three, because there are certainly some services and products that people say, ah, I'll take it if it's free, right? But if it's not free, I'm good, right? And you do that by something I had sort of added in, which was a proof of concept. Try it out. Maybe it's a a virtual service or a virtual product, or, you know, even if it's at a really discounted rate, setting it up as a testing phase, and you'll learn some things along that way as well as you're crystallizing this business plan that you are developing and finalizing. And the business plan will morph. Whatever your business plan was when you started, because both Jabari and Leah talked about how for their businesses, 
and mine as well, actually, you know, there was some pivoting that happened with Jabari. He changed the business structure. He changed, you know, the revenue streams of what he thought would be more of a higher driver than another. So being open to those, those, those pivots, and then think about the things that you don't think about like exit strategies and succession plans, even when you're early on. It's really important to getting funding. Awesome. Yeah, the teacher and you kill, killed that. Um, you killed that. Um, <laughs> the, teacher, really got... the teacher and me or the teacher and Jabari? Both. You guys got real teacher mode. You went deep, nice. you came back up, you summarized, you gave people the bullets. Like, you know, this feels this feels good. This feels like, you know, a three credit course that people just got. And now we're going to go <laughs> in entrepreneurship. There you go. Three on the career jumps for the journey podcast so um jabari this has been awesome this is better than i anticipated which you know that's how we do right that's how we show up for one another so i really do appreciate you joining us today you crushed it and we will definitely connect our listeners to any communication any way to get in contact with you um, if you are interested in sharing there is you can go to um it's uh www.westphillycc.org and then I think we're on all of the social media platforms as PHL Collaborative. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So feel free to go to his website uh, or his LinkedIn, and you can find the website there, I'm sure. Jabari Jones. And we'll also include it in the show notes for you guys as well. For sure. It Thank has been an absolute so pleasure to, for you being with us and sharing with our listeners. And we appreciate each one of you guys who are listening. Thank you so much for riding with us. And we will see you in the next episode. This was Amma Gordon and Leah Murphy. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode gave you some real gems that you can use on your own career journey. Come back for the next episode and be sure to follow us on social at Gems for the Journey on Instagram and Career Gems for the Journey on LinkedIn. You can also email us at info at gemsforthejourney.org with any questions or comments you may have.